Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker coming to you from Perth, Australia. And with me is my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. And with us is our guest from Melbourne in Australia, Philippe Guichard, who is a TEDx speaker who transforms ideas into million-dollar products. But more importantly, when we, we first met, Philippe and I, he spoke about something called the triple designing for the triple bottom line. And we're going to get to that in the course of today's episode. It's a special gift to all our listeners. Pop along to www.excellencepodcast.com. That's excellencepodcast.com and download your free 48 page ebook called Building Excellence Ideas to Help You on Your Journey to Creating Excellence in Your Business and Your Life. Welcome, Philippe. Comment ça va? Uh, merci. Thank you for your French. Ça va très bien et toi? <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, Enough of that French stuff, all right, you guys? (laughs) Thank you. It's good to be on board today. So, Philippe, um, triple bottom line, uh, you know, uh, that's a really interesting concept. And I'm sure that not all of our listeners have heard about it before. So can you just go over the basics and give us Mm -hmm. a sense of what it means and how it applies in the world of business? Good. Well, you probably heard of the bottom line in business, which is uh, how much profit you make at the end of the year, and that's that's a very big number that you need to really pay attention to. Um, but in the course of all the work I did in the last nearly 30 years now, um, I think there are also different numbers that we need to pay attention to and different um, angles we need to pay attention to. So the triple bottom line is uh, people, planet, and profit. So we know about profit. We are, have all the KPIs around that all today. Sure. Um, but people, that's a very interesting one. It's about how can you embody some of the social impact in your own business ecosystem. It doesn't mean you need to address all the problems of the, of, of the planet, but you have your own ecosystem of client suppliers, first, second, third tier suppliers, and then there are things you can do, value exchange you can do with them. And that's where the social impact can be very important. And the planet, it's how can we make the, the, the world a bit more sustainable and I, I'm also currently working on another concept, which is beyond the triple bottom line, which we will be uh, regenerative design, uh, which is about giving more than you take, which means that uh, we're at a point where the world is in such a bad shape that we need to repair. So that would be the next stage of, um, of the business plans. Well, that's, that's interesting, Philippe. I, I actually was at the beach a, a few days ago because we have good weather in Perth. And... Um, there was a charging station at the, and most of our beachfront now has charging stations for electric cars. And my wife and I stopped because I liked the color of the electric car that was actually being charged. But a woman, we were looking at this car and the fact that it had a place to charge at the beach. And a woman walked past us and said, oh, it would be nice, but, but they're still using coal-fired electricity to charge it. And, and I just thought she's missing a point here because there is a relationship between everything. There is, and, and it's the electric cars at that stage is a very touchy subject. So my point of view is when I see an advertising for electric car and they say, we are zero pollution, I'm just like, oh my God, what a big, what a big lie. 
And it's a lie because if you look at the whole ecosystem and if you look at the second and third tier suppliers that needs to be involved to make an electric car, it's far from being zero emission, very clean, actually. So that's one thing. The other thing is if you recharge an electric car in Australia and if you don't use solar, if you use coal, it's actually worse for the environment than a very bad diesel. So that's the fact. This being said, this is where we need to go to. This is where the, 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 the trend will go to. So it, it just means that we need to adapt and adjust you know, how we do things at the same time that we bring these new technologies. Well, so, um, Philippe, our listeners can't see this, but over your shoulder there's a, a poster and you've got triple bottom line. It's a Venn diagram. Um, you know, people, profit, planet, and I get that there's a three. Now, those circles in your diagram are equal, but I'm wondering, is that is that really how it works? Are they all, you know, is it equal or, or is, it, is there a bit of push and pull um, between the three? Uh, it, it really depends on the intention of the CEO, the founder of the business. Uh, so there are businesses that really are about making profit and at the same time, they want to diminish their impact on the environment and sometimes their social impact too. So you would say that profit would be the big bubble and the other one would be smaller. But there are other business where the impact is more relevant than the profit margin, at least in terms of intention. And in that case, then you will have a very strong focus on the social impact and on the sustainable impact. What's funny about that is that in all the cases I've been working where the, the initial intention is to do good and, and to have a better impact, the profit margin is actually higher than other businesses. Ah, that's interesting. It is. <clears throat> I mean, I mean it, it is easy. I mean, I, I, in my own professional speaking, I talk a lot about purpose. Well, yeah. if your purpose defines... You know, and, and I was working with a company and I asked them, what's your purpose? And they said, to make a profit. And I said, mm -hmm. that's great. But how do you translate that into something that all the staff can buy into? Mm -hmm. But when you have these other elements of, of people and planet, it becomes much easier to communicate your purpose. Definitely. And I think that's the big shift I've seen in the last 10 years is that there's a, a big movement of purpose-driven companies and founders and entrepreneurs. And in, in, my, in my mind, there will be the businesses of the future because the all good businesses where the all point of the business is to make a buck, uh, that's, that was relevant at the time. I'm not sure that's going to be relevant in 10 years. Uh, I think there's a big shift in mindset, especially in the new generation. I mean, it exists in all generation, but the new generation are even more sensitive to that. Um, and they want to they buy into a story. They want to buy into principles and, and visionaries and stuff like that. Um, so I think that there will be, there is a shift and the shift will continue to be bigger. And I suspect that the pandemic will accelerate that actually. Philippe, you, you also talk about business excellence in design. Yeah. You know, I'm curious to understand what that is. Can hmm. you give us some, give us the lowdown? Yeah. So maybe in order to explain that in, in context, I can, I can go through my own personal journey in design. So okay. I, I started by um, studying mechanical engineering. And while doing so, I discovered industrial design. 
And for me, that was a big, big moment in my life. He's like, what? If there's something like that you can do and be paid for? Is that, you know, I thought that was very exciting. Um, but long story short, I, I completed my degree in mechanical engineering and I moved to Canada to study industrial design, came back to France and started my first design studio. And I understood very quickly that I had an edge from other designers, which was everything that I was drawing, I knew how to manufacture because of my mechanical engineering background. And if I didn't, for some reason, if I didn't know, I would have a conversation with the supplier or the engineers and we make it work, that would be reasonably easy. So that gave me an edge because um, you, you probably heard the reputation of designers and creative people being a bit out there and not being pragmatic. Well, I wasn't one of them. So I, had, I, I could combine both the creativity and the pragmatic aspect of manufacturing. But I realized very quickly that everything I learned about design and manufacturing was good, but there were two things that were missing. And those two things were very much highlighted because I worked ma mainly for startups and small companies. I worked with CEOs of small companies and founders and entrepreneurs. The two things were marketing and business. So when you design a product, you need to design for a very specific market. You don't design a coffee cup the same way you designed that for Melbourne, um, the same way you would design that for someone in the US. There are two different ways of consuming coffee. There are really? two different ways of appreciating what coffee is and everything. So it would be two different experiences, and therefore there are two different products. So you need to know that. And the other aspect in marketing that are relate, relate to the, the product, such as the volume of mass manufacturing and everything, which condition the design itself. But you can have a good product and good market fit. You may not have a business. So it's very important to run the numbers. And that's where um, we talk about you know, um, excellence in, in business or business excellence. From the design perspective, I think if designers are not involved in the marketing part and the business part, the financial, I understand what impact the design can have in that, in that regard. I think we're really missing the point. That's a very interesting approach. I mean, I, I never thought of, I'm going to go back to that because I'm a coffee lover. Um, but, but the fact is you say that, that you're actually, you're not just designing a cup, you're designing a cup for a specific market and specific function. Yeah, definitely. You design that for a function for a specific group uh, of people in, in the marketplace and to deliver a very specific experience. Okay, so so when I was at business school, we always spoke about what happens if you build a better mousetrap and how you know is it is it going to help the market? Well, so, so what you're saying is that that yes, you can be a fantastic designer and design a better mousetrap, hmm. but if you don't tell people about it and it doesn't meet their pain points, it's not yeah. going to do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and sometimes it's so much better to design a product that fits a small portion of the market. But that portion is very receptive to what the product is. Okay, you know, so, so again, one of the companies that I've been working with has a has a a purpose statement that has three words. That's that that that, um, that talks about exactly this. Okay, they, they talk about delivering product mm -hmm. on time. So so. So the, their wording is practical genius delivered, mm. okay? And they're actually a software company. They're not a design company, but mm -hmm. they're designing software. Mm -hmm. But they talk about some products that are practical, that can be used, that are clever, so the genius part, and delivered on time and on budget. 
Um, and it's interesting how they've taken your whole elegance effect and philosophy and put that into into words. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy that our software company going that route too. So how do you see the future of business excellence from, from your design standpoint then? Um, well, I, I think this, uh, if I just go to um, just the design field, I think designers will have to open up to the more horizontal aspect of the business altogether, which means we cannot just stay in design, uh, which is that creative part. Because the, the way it traditionally works is that the designer do their job and then it goes into engineering and mass manufacturing, and there's a lot of modification there. And then the marketing department will try to come up with strategies and, and prices and everything. And then there are sales and the business and everything. And, and it's all nice and lovely, but each, each step, there is a kind of a modification and, and, and stuff. So it doesn't, it doesn't work as well. There's a lot of things that you can get at a design stage. And I'm saying that because um, 80% of the impact of a product is set at a design stage, which means if you think about the financial output, the sustainable output, the social impact output at the design stage, you have a greater chance to put that out there. Okay, so, so Philippe, I guess in the future, and if you, I love going to the future because this is about business excellence. This is about how do people make themselves more excellent. Now, just why do we use the word excellence? Because we can never be perfect. We can just mm -hmm. be as, the best thing we can be. But, you know, when I first met you a few years ago through professional speakers, mm -hmm. you were kind of coming into the speaking journey. Mm -hmm. And um, pre-COVID, mm -hmm. you suddenly hit the TEDx stage. It's been a journey for you. Let, let's talk about how your philosophies took you from not wanting to speak mm. to being on a TEDx stage. Yeah. So I think the trigger happened actually, actually in this room uh, just a few years ago. So my goal was not to be a speaker at all at that stage. I wanted to, I'm an introvert. So I wanted to keep hiding as I was doing for over 20 years. I was very comfortable with this. And I just wanted to follow someone. And I, I was looking for a designer that would talk about thoughtful design and the impact on design on the social and environmental uh, aspects. And I spent a whole day looking at TED Talks, Wobby Talks, DLD, all those platforms, and I couldn't find anyone. And I was like, this is incredible. And in the middle of the afternoon, um, that was a very sunny day, suddenly there's a big black cloud obscuring the, the sun. And, and it changed the, the environment in my own office. And I see my own face in a monitor because of that. And I was like, yeah, there's someone I can talk about it. <laughs> and my first reaction is I was horrified. And I'm, when I mean horrified, I just backed up from the desk and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do this. I'm an introvert. I don't want to be on stage. I gave a, a bit of thinking after that. I thought, well, okay, what would it take for me to speak? And I understood very quickly that speaking is a craft. And especially when you're expert, you suffer from the curse of knowledge, which means that it's very likely you're going to be a very boring speaker talking about technical stuff and boring your audience. So I understood that I, I needed to learn the craft. I needed to learn storytelling. I needed to learn a number of uh, stage um, um, skills in order to perform um, on, on, as a keynote speaker and as a speaker altogether. 
So that, that was the start of the journey. And, and the start of the journey is based on my values. I want to see more of this, uh, um, like the triple bottom line and, and more thoughtful design out there. So that's, that's why I, I decided to, to come on stage. And that led me to have this TEDx opportunity. And the TEDx is all about, it's beyond design. It's all about impact. And you mentioned purpose, purposeful companies. Um, it's about what's your intention when you build a business. And everyone can have an impact. Sometimes you don't know what it, that impact is or where it lands, but you can have an impact. And I think it really depends on your intention. Okay. And how are you enjoying being on stage now? I mean, I know that you, you, you mentioned the word introvert about five times. Yes. Uh, how are you enjoying being on stage? Uh, with After all the training and everything, I, I am much more comfortable on stage. And, and the thing I realized that on stage is not, a, it's not about me. That's, I think that's, that was the key for me. It's about what can I deliver for the audience? What, what, what can I share for the audience so that they can open up, um, so that they can have inspiration maybe to do something? And, and it's, it's a, if I come back to the TEDx, it's a very weird thing that is happening because the TED Talk is out there. And, and I had a, a text that was just a few days ago, like exactly seven days ago after the event that happens in, in the US. Um, I'm a member of a Facebook group where um, <clears throat> there is, um, we, we do CNC and, and like, you know, prototyping stuff. And I commented on someone and that someone had a look at my profile, went to see my TED talk and, um, and came back to me and said, you know, I'm a policeman in Texas and there is so much hatred for us and everything, I was about to give up. To, uh, like 20 years of, of work you know, in the police workforce and I was about to give up. I watched your talk and I'm re-inspired and re-energized again. I want to keep doing my job. So that's what I mean about impact. My intention is, is to say, okay, guys, we can all do something. It's just do something locally. It could be just your family, your friends, or your business, or your suppliers. But we, you, we can do something. And, and I'm just happy when I have this type of feedback, when I know that um, something happened. And again, it's not about me. It's about what happened to the audience, what happened to the people in, in the, that, that sit in a room. I think that is, uh, it's brilliant. And it shows really the power of your message. And, uh, and I think, you know, people like, we, we need to stand up and share our message in the world. And so good on you, mate. Um, we're, we're almost out of time. So if our um, listeners would like to get in touch with you, how would they find you? What's the best way for them to do that? I think the best way to find me is to go on LinkedIn. And, um, and you can even find my website there. And some people can book a, a, um, a free consultation session with me okay. uh, directly from the website. So it's very easy to find me. Type my name on, on LinkedIn and, um, and you'll find me. Excellent. Thanks, Philippe. Thank you. Thank you, Philippe. And, and I have to just comment about people looking for you. I've made this mistake a few times. It is one L and two P's in yeah. Philippe, because I've often typed it with two L's and then I can't find Philippe's information. Mm -hmm. So it's P-H-I-L-I-P-P-E and, and Gishard, G-U-I-C-H-A-R-D. Thank you, Philippe, for, for being a guest on today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. Thank you, Rael. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me today. It's been a pleasure. And this is Rael Bricker and Lindsay Adams signing off for another episode of the Business Excellence Podcast. As a special gift to all our listeners. 
pop along to www.excellencepodcast.com that's excellencepodcast.com and download your free 48 page ebook called building excellence ideas to help you on your journey to creating excellence in your business and your life